Chapter 14 Sharp Edges All her life, Tannis hadn't understood her sleep wasn't normal, that her body was feeding on the magic of her blood to replenish itself. She just assumed she wasn't a morning person. In all her years, it had never been so bad. She'd awoken on a freshly made cot in her makeshift bedroom, a cupboard next to Kiana's, mouth dry and body heavy. Every inch of her felt bruised, and when she blinked, her head rung as if struck. Her body had come back to her slowly, her memory slower still. The horrible walk to the estate, leaning on Griffin, the beautiful church and the feeling it churned, the only windwalker in what that meant, leaning on Griffin. She'd rather stay in stasis than dwell on any of that, so she'd decided to finally call on her sister. Only Kiana wasn't in bed resting as she should have been. Dwelling was so unappealing, in fact, that Tannis summoned Gwyneth to show her to the music room. Apparently, that was where the others tended to gather. It was a short, very silent walk. Here you are, said Gwyneth, abruptly indicating a door before turning on her heel. Lovely spending time with you, Tannis called after her. The older woman didn't look back. Tannis shook her head. She'd never met a person so lifeless. Not that she had the energy to spare Gwyneth another thought. The short walk had sapped her, and she felt ready to collapse again. She hustled eagerly into the music room. It was a small space, well lit by a wide window, a roaring fire, and the glow of many lamps. It was dominated by a grand piano at one end, and what looked like a full drinks cabinet against the wall. Her stomach turned at the sight of that, and she made it halfway to one of the chairs before noticing Nemitra curled in another, their face wedged in a book. Stuck between two unpleasant choices, Tanis hovered. Nemitra glanced up, shoulders stiffening. Clearly, Tanis wasn't welcome, but stars she needed to sit down. I should have turned back when you did, she said, the words coming out with a groan. Nemitra said nothing, like they'd said nothing when they'd set out that morning, like they'd said nothing when they'd turned back. Nemitra would simply have to deal. Grumbling her way to the green leather window seat, Tanis rubbed her temples and looked out into the courtyard. It was empty against a backdrop of deepening grey. She wasn't sure how much time she'd lost to stasis, but it hadn't taken long for a fresh storm to roll in. Nemitra sniffed. Loudly. Tanis ignored them. It felt too good, sitting. Food would be a bonus. She looked about for the servant's bell, but it was across the room. Too much effort. She let her head fall back. It was mind-boggling that this was her magic that she could have done this to herself any night on any rooftop. Her blood was her blood, she'd always known it, and yet she'd known so little. And if Griffin was right, and magic spilled out of her, how close had the hounds come to finding her? She'd thought she was clever, skilled, but she'd been blundering through, surviving on sheer luck. 
she'd never been good at learning, mostly because she was terrible at listening. Any skill she'd picked up had come through doing. She hadn't considered what it meant to openly share space with another bleeder. She'd dismissed this place as too comfortable. There was no desperation, and desperation was the realm in which Tannis thrived. But maybe Griffin was a chance to understand, for a while at least. Maybe learning to fly, if possible, was just the first step. She had to be stronger. She couldn't risk entering stasis when they fled this place. With each beat of her heart, she felt said strength returning. With it came fresh resolve. Nemetra dropped their book with a thump. Do you want something? Tannis cracked open an eye, unfazed by the hostility. It reminded her of the bowels, ingrained distrust born from fear or a need to protect something. Nemetra was as open as their book had just been. Tannis was tempted to ignore them, but as much as she didn't want to form bonds, she wasn't the best at sitting quietly. I get it. Nemetra's gaze sharpened. What? This. Tannis waved a hand. Nemetra only frowned, so Tannis closed her eyes again. It was nice to know she could still catch somebody off guard, after the symbolic beating Griffin had handed her. She heard Nemetra pick up their book, heard the scratch of movement on the chair, then the slip of the cover sliding across the floor. She heard the rustle of turning pages and Nemetra's little breaths. As the stasis eased, Tannis realised she'd never felt so aware of the world around her. A hitch to their breathing told her Nemetra was about to talk. She opened her eyes just as the twin opened their mouth. Go on, said Tannis. Nemetra glared. I see no reason to talk with you. You're here and soon you'll be gone, no matter how it ends. Tannis nodded. Reasonable. I feel the same. This is not an attempt to... Nemetra struggled to understand you, or for you to... You're the one that started the conversation. Twisting away, Nemetra snapped open their book and planted their face in it. Tannis smothered a laugh. The book was upside down. Nemetra maintained the charade for a while, and Tannis didn't push them. This interaction was more comfortable than any other since leaving Celestia. With every second she felt more like herself and less like herself than she ever had. The one constant was a strong craving for coffee. Your sister. It was Tannis's turn to tense. She shouldn't be here. She cut a wary glance across the room. She could feel that way, not anybody else. She goes where I go, which wasn't exactly true. I don't mean, Nemetra snapped. I only... They floundered for words and Tannis waited. The more they struggled, the more flustered they became. She doesn't need to be in danger. Tannis raised an eyebrow. Hopefully none of us need to be in danger. Nemetra opened their mouth, snapped it shut, then shook their head with a heavy sigh. They dropped their book. You should know, 
Still, they hesitated, and Tannis's guard snapped back into place. She sat up, and the world spun. When you left dinner yesterday, each word cut off sharply, the accusation in their words ringing clear. Lord Ollinger went to your sister. Tannis stood, her mood sinking further with every second. He offered her the role of guest on the mission. She accepted. The anger built slowly, steadily, strangely for Tannis. She stared at Nemitra, sorting through her words, then shook her head. Why are you telling me this? She's your sister, said Nemitra, gaze dancing aside. It'd be dangerous for her to come with us. She shouldn't. And as those words settled, her anger was full. Bastard! As if backing her up, a deep rumble echoed over the estate. Nemitra thrust their face back into their book. Stars help him, Tanis muttered, thinking to their moment on the pier, his apparent sweetness, his apparent goodness. And he'd already played her? For if Kiana believed she could be part of saving the witches, there was no chance she'd ever want to leave this place. Tanis marched across the room, grabbing Nemitra's book and slinging it aside. Nemitra's jaw clenched, but otherwise they didn't react. Distantly, Tanis was grateful. Somewhere in her mind she marked this selfless kindness from the least obviously kind person here. But a thank you could wait. Where can I find him? Nemitra closed their eye, regretting their choice, or simply regretting they'd had to make it in the first place. His other rooms above the stables, on the south end of the estate. Tanis was too angry to ask for further directions, which meant she was too angry to confront him, but she was also too angry to think first. Cast on by the winds of her fury, she was at the door in a flash. She knew where the stables were, she'd marked the windows above a sloping roof, and, best of all, she knew how to open those windows. Without stopping to put on any layers, without stopping to consider that she was recovering from stasis, Tanis stormed outside, and the storm outside welcomed her. She was powerful. She didn't know how to use that power, but her body was alive with it. Lord Ollinger had messed with the wrong person. Ice rain lashed her face, lightning crackled and thunder boomed. The storm unwrapped itself in moments, the wind so strong she had to lean into it. She didn't mind, an inferno raged inside her, hot enough to hold off winter. This was what came of thinking Kiana was safe. This was her punishment for getting carried away by the stone splitter's church. This was what she deserved for forgetting she'd been untouchable for years until Griffin showed up, when Ollinger ordered him to. That was when Kiana lost her mind. That was when the hounds caught her trail. Lucky's mistake must have been coincidence. This lord was dangerous and while Tannis might play with her own life, she'd never play with her sister's. She reached the stables. The nervous pouring of horses was lost beneath the storm, 
the stable doors bolted from the inside to protect the beasts. That meant the stable hand didn't see her hoist herself up and onto the roof. It took moments. It was easy. The tiles were slick with ice and rain, but Tannis's footing was sure. Blood pumping. She stared up at the dark windows. No light came from inside. Good. She knelt to retrieve the knife from her boot, which nobody here had checked her for, and went to work on the window. Ollinger clearly thought he was untouchable, for it swung open with ease, no double locks or reinforcements. Tannis didn't hesitate to pull her sodden self into his chambers. It made sense to her mind. It was the quickest way to reach him. She waited for her eyes to adjust, until she heard footsteps, then noted the faint glow of light beneath an adjoining door. That door began to open before Tannis had a second to think, Ollinger come to investigate the sudden rush of wind into his rooms. Tannis had no time to reconsider. She strode towards the door, breathing hard. Lord Ollinger stepped inside, one hand lifted to rub the back of his neck. For that split second, he was lost in thought. Tannis grabbed his hand, twisted his arm back, spinning him round and slamming him against the door so it shut behind him. Holding him there, she pressed her knife to his throat. He made no sound, no move to fight her. Tannis's hand trembled, but her fury didn't wane. All she could see in the dark was the glint of his eyes. What is this? he said, too softly. This is me reminding you who I am. He tried to look at her. Tannis dug her elbow into his back, forcing him still. I do not understand. She barked a laugh. If you thought I wouldn't find out you'd recruited my sister in my place, you're a damned fool. Tannis? With a hiss, she brought her mouth close to his ear. We're going back to Celestia. We don't need anybody's help to survive. But Lord Ollinger was full of surprises. He spun, twisting from her grip with ease. Tannis swore as his fingers curled around her wrist, yanking the knife from his neck. For a moment they struggled, pushing and pulling, blade wavering between them. With a cry she stamped hard on his foot. He grunted, but didn't flinch. A moment later, her back was pulled against him, his arm wrapped tight around her neck. She still held the knife, but there wasn't much she could do with it. They stayed that way for a moment. Tannis's chest heaved, but his was steady. She could look nowhere but back toward the open window. Spears of lightning danced outside, revealing the churning sea. I did not intend to keep it from you. She didn't believe him. His breath ruffled her hair. You can keep the blade, if you must. Just listen to me. Her heart still pounded, but she nodded once. Ollinger didn't release her immediately, and it was smart of him to doubt, but when he did, she scurried into the nearest corner. She didn't make mistakes twice, and now she knew she couldn't overpower him. Back to the wall, 
she held the knife before her, watching him close. It was like their first encounter back in the bows, only this time she was far from the world she knew. Ollinger moved to the centre of the room, lifting something to his neck, checking to see if she'd drawn blood. She heard a scratch and then the sputter of a match. A lantern glowed on his desk, soft light spreading around what must have been his study. I also do not intend to take Kiana on the mission. Tannis's gaze sharpened. He looked back at her, eyes shining like green fire. I am angry with you. The feeling's mutual. He poured a drink, dragged the glass along the top of his desk, and moved towards the far corner of the room. She noticed the piano for the first time. Sinking onto the stool, he scrubbed at his eyes. I was angry with you yesterday at dinner. I so longed to have you here that the thought of you leaving before we had even begun was unthinkable. I do not regret asking your sister to help me. I will admit my motivation was entirely centred upon you. If Kiana wishes to stay, you will stay. I hoped to explain this to you earlier, but Griffin informed me you were resting after entering stasis. So I waited, and then I am met with your blade at my throat after you've broken into my chambers. It angers me, all of it, and I cannot decide if my anger is fair. Fair or unfair, his anger was significantly less than it should have been considering what she'd just done, and the weight of that realisation struck Tannis hard. She now knew two things. He'd do anything he had to do to keep her here, and she'd do anything she could to get away. Thunder rattled the estate and she glanced at the windows again. She yearned to kick down the stable door, steal a horse, ride into the storm and not look back. But what of Kiana? She could barely walk at the moment. And what of Ollinger? What would he do if pushed? She stared at his faintly furrowed brow, at his perfectly formed mouth, and a chill ran down her spine. It didn't matter if his mission was true. It didn't matter if his goal was noble. Tannis was invaluable to this man. Kiana was collateral to be used. As Tannis stood frozen in the corner, he began to play. One-handed, his fingers drifted over the keys. It was a slow tune, the perfect accompaniment to the howling storm. If they fled now, Ollinger would follow, and even if he didn't want to, even if he hated himself for it, Tannis couldn't risk that he might hurt Kiana. It wasn't worth believing in his goodness, in his words, if her sister was at risk. If they were to flee, Tannis would have to be sure they couldn't be followed. She'd have to fly, which meant she had to stay. She took a deep breath, then tucked her knife into her boot and loosened her shoulders. Careful not to overplay it, she stepped across the room, trailing rainwater over his spotless study, and pointed at the drink. May I? He looked up sharply, continuing to play, then nodded. She felt like downing the bottle, but poured a shot instead. 
the burn set her steady. She'd be a fool to be taken in by his forgiveness, as he'd be a fool to believe hers. Yet here they were, both pretending. The balance in the room had tilted so dramatically, Tannis took a moment to settle into this new silence. She'd been willing to hurt him. She was grateful she hadn't needed to. But she had to be ready to do so again. For Kiana, to survive, he'd find no heroic sacrifice within this Windwalker. She lowered her glass, the clink loud in the taut space between them. I don't want you talking with Kiana. The best-played cons were laid with truths. For what it is worth, she seemed overjoyed to be included. Tannis bristled, but kept her voice steady. And she can continue to think she's included. But if I hear that you've met with her alone again, I swear I'll leave. I won't have you play us against each other. Do you understand? I do, though you must understand why I did it. She frowned as she watched his fine fingers spin music. She thought of the stone splitter's church and shivered. For the witches. She'd asked him why he'd cared so much last night, and he'd turned the question back on her, but she still wondered. He wasn't a bleeder, and he lived a comfortable life. She wasn't willing to risk everything to save people with golden blood like her own, so why was he? This mission, it means a lot to you. His frown deepened. All the pain in this land stems from what happened to them. Once they are free, Christnos can heal. His face shifted in and out of the wavering light, long eyelashes shining golden. He really believed they were alive, and she pitied him for it. Surely there's something else you want. Something a little more attainable. His gaze lifted slowly, holding hers for long enough she felt warmth touch her cheeks. I want many things. That gaze flickered to her mouth, then back again. At this moment, I want you to trust me. That was equally as unattainable, but she kept that thought to herself. And what else? she whispered, holding his stare. He lifted his empty glass. She grabbed the bottle, closing the space between them to pour him another drink. He brought it to his lips, eyes never leaving her face. I want to save the world. Good luck with that, she scoffed. She took the chance to turn away from him, to draw in a quick breath as she poured another for herself. It was probably a very expensive bottle, but he didn't seem to mind. Still, she could feel his eyes on her back. Perhaps it was repressed anger, but intensity rolled off him, and Tannis couldn't help feeling drawn to it. Since the day I became a man, I have sought the best path I could for all around me. That is the path I believe I am on now. I want Griffin to get into the Guardian's Tower and release the witches. I want it more than anything in the world, and I will keep you here until the last moment, if that is how long it takes to convince you our mission is true. Her breath caught as she glanced back at him. 
it was probably the most honest thing he'd said to her. He stood, and Tannis tipped her head back to meet his eyes. Perhaps I am a fool, and you will kill me in my sleep before that day ever comes. There was the faintest softening around his eyes, but she'd felt his strength when he'd held her against him. He was dangerous in more ways than one. I am learning, he continued, that I cannot expect you to be something you are not. But I request an honest answer to a simple question. Thunder cannoned off the sea, signalling the bolt of lightning that bathed one half of Ollinger's face in white light. He swallowed. I do not blame you for your reaction today, nor for doubting the truth of the witch's survival. All I ask is that you give us this month. Will you try? The lie came easy. She didn't blame him for doing what was necessary in pursuit of what he wanted. Were it not for Kiana, she'd savour this man and the opportunity to play with something so beautiful and so ruthless. But Kiana was here, and so she needed to savour another. It was through Griffin she'd learned to fly, through Griffin that she'd find freedom. Yes, she said. I'll try. Ollinger's tension fell away. She wasn't sure if he truly believed her, couldn't judge whether he was playing her too. With the fading of adrenaline, she felt suddenly exhausted. Maybe it was Stasis hitting her all over again. With a quick nod, she moved to turn away. Lord Ollinger shot forwards, grabbing her hand. Tannis tensed, but he didn't let go. Lightly, he held her fingers until she looked back at him. There was one other thing I wished to discuss with you, but I fear you will not like the idea of an outing. Her fingers tingled where they touched, but Tannis focused on his words, nodding for him to continue. In three weeks, the nearby town of Allybrook will celebrate its winter fair. I thought, if you are all careful, that you could attend with Kiana. I am conscious that a month stuck on this estate would drive anybody to distraction. It could be a celebration of sorts, before we return to Celestia. Instinct screamed no. What if the hounds were there? A beat later, and a fresh sport set her mind spinning. An outing one week before their return to Celestia meant three weeks to learn to fly. And then? Would you be there? Tannis asked. He ducked his head, still holding her hand. Alas, were I with you, I would draw unwanted attention. A shame, she said. She hadn't expected this. If he were as ruthless as she'd decided, why would he risk letting her off this estate so close to the mission? If he were as dangerous as he simply had to be, why would he let her ride away from here, with his only source of leverage? Unless... No. There wasn't enough goodness in the world for this man to be as good as he seemed. A trip to town without Ollinger would be the perfect moment for Tannis and Kiana to cut their losses and run. That was all that mattered. 
I'll think about it, she said, knowing quick agreement might be suspicious. She made to pull away, but he held on. His eyes, fixed on her face, were bright. His thumb brushed her palm, and her body was drawn towards his. With you here, my wants can be realised. He looked radiant, and she couldn't help the flicker of doubt, the hot yearning in her gut. She gave herself a moment to enjoy him, the sharp angle of his cheekbones, the flecks of gold in his eyes, the fullness of his mouth. She allowed a second of imagination, of twisted sheets and limbs. He was impossible, and Tannis knew what needed to be done. Good night, Lord Ollinger, she said, pulling her hand free. She'd rushed into this room on the wings of a storm, yet she left feeling calmer than she had since the morning of the execution back in Celestia. Maybe Lord Ollinger would save the world and the witches, but he'd have to find another way to do it, for in three weeks, his windwalker would fly away, and she wouldn't look back.